When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the PHNX D-backs podcast right here on PHNX. My name is Derek Montia, occasionally known as your mayor of PHNX. And of course, today's show is brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. The DraftKings Sportsbook app is America's top-rated sportsbook app, and you can download it now, use our code of PHNX, and simply for betting $1 on any NFL game this week, you will get $100 in free bets instantly if either team scores a single point. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh, today we are without Thunderstick Jesse Friedman, who is still recovering from his birthday celebration. Wait a second, how did he get that nickname? Is it because he's oh, shaped like a Thunderstick? We have, yeah, we've we've there's there's been a couple of nicknames. We've been trying him out all season long. Uh, he was uh, he, we're we're moving on to the little unit uh, that he gave himself because he looks like Randy Johnson a bit. But uh, I I wouldn't be a fan of that nickname myself just for the implications. Sure. Uh, but that that voice you heard is a very special guest today, taking over for Jesse Friedman and possibly forever. We'll see. I don't know. I might get <laughs> I might get him to stick around. But uh, from uh, MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM, and you might also know him from the D-backs post game show and the broadcast. It's Mike Farron. Mike, how you doing, bud? I'm good, Derek. It's good to see you. You excited? Uh, you're going to be out on the road covering the yeah. uh, ALCS and uh, guys doing the post game and pregame show. So, uh, how, how are your thoughts on how this, how these playoffs have shaped up so far? I think it's been really fun. I mean, there have been very few clunker games, which has right. been exciting. And I think the listen, the Houston Boston series, which is what what we're uh, on our way to cover, has a lot of interesting storylines between yes. you know Alex Cora returning to Houston you remember the Red Sox had their own um video aided scandal that was a, a, maybe um overlooked a bit by the banging scheme with the Astros but <laughs> sure. um but you know and Alex Cora was the manager of the Red Sox when that that happened and the last time the Red Sox won the World Series they beat the Astros in the League Championship Series plus it's their fifth straight appearance for Houston in the ALCS and Dusty Baker's still searching for that elusive ring and so there's a lot of different things that are uh that are going to happen over the course of these uh, these next 10 days or so that I think I'm really excited about. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and you're right about that matchup. There's been a lot of uh, people gotten their jokes in about it for sure. But I, I proposed this question on Twitter the other day, and I wanted to ask you, do, do the Astros ever get credit for being a good team at this point with that scandal in their past? I mean, five straight uh, LCS is they're the third team in MLB history since the 60s yeah. to do it so do you, do you think they'll ever get credit or will they always be this team that's kind of a cheater i mean i think i think it's going to be you know up to like your mileage may vary on it i mean to sure. me i think um they deserve credit because they have been a consistently good team i mean i don't think that that i, I think you can give them credit and still be ticked on for what they did in 2017 and Valid. 
you know, I, I think that's going to be, they're going to have to wear a scarlet trash can for the rest of their careers. You know, those players <laughs> that were involved in that. Um, but I also think that, I think one of the things that's so frustrating about this, and maybe it's the case with a lot of cheating scandals, you know, the, the two biggest ones that have hit baseball are this and the Black Sox scandal, right? And the things yeah. that are so frustrating, I think, about both of those is that those teams didn't need the help. You know what I mean? Like the Astros didn't need the help. They were a really talented team. The 1919 White Sox were heavy favorites in that World Series against uh, Cincinnati. Um, they didn't need, you know, they, they they were a great team. Now they were trying to throw the World Series, obviously, but but they they didn't need to be involved in that. They could have taken the you know potential riches that came from that instead of the sure money from the gamblers. But 1919 is a lot different than you know 2021. Sure. So I I just don't think I I think when you look at that talent that's on that roster still. You know, they're a great offensive team. Um, and that's without George Springer. Remember, Springer left as a free agent this the, this last winter. Um, they have a dominant lineup. Their pitching is okay. Like, they're a little, little bit of transition there. They're a, a decent rotation. Um, you know, I think the Lance McCullers injury is potentially impactful for them. Um, you know, if he's not able to go, he, you know, he had to leave the game four uh, start in the division series with some forearm tightness, and he's a Tommy John survivor. Like, if he's if he's not available for the division series, I think it, it evens the playing field a little bit or, or for the championship series. But this has been a really good team for an extended stretch. It's their sixth playoff appearance since 2015. And to have five of them be in a row in the American League Championship Series speaks to you know how how good they are overall. I mean, you think about yeah. it, when the Yankees were winning three straight World Series titles and four out of five, they didn't make five straight LCSs. Right. right. It's it's an impressive stat, and I, again, it's the consistency. It's something that uh, I, I think was the the groundwork was laid for when they took their time, right? You know, you had those rebuilding years for the Astros that mm-hmm. led to all of these players that essentially came up through their system. The Diamondbacks, a team right now that sounds like they want to follow more of that model and possibly have longer success than they've had in the past. It seems like the Diamondbacks, and we talked about this on the show always kind of seem to rush that success at times instead of taking, you know, that longer route to having a team that might be mm-hmm. more competitive for a number of years, the way the Astros are. I don't, I don't necessarily think that that's been the case with this group. I think, you know, they inherited a team that was pretty talented in 2017 and obviously made a playoff appearance sure. and they have tried to do two things at once, which is difficult to do remain competitive while also building the farm system. Now, Listen, it's coming off a 111 loss season, right? Like it, 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 it sucks. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> it sucks for everybody involved. But, but the fact is that this was not a team that was trying to lose 111 games. You know, this wasn't a team that was intentionally tanking the season. Uh, were there depth issues? Absolutely. Were there things that that you know maybe they couldn't address because um, there were different payroll restrictions coming out of 2020? Absolutely. Um, but I mean injuries that they suffered early in the year first to five members of their starting lineup being out in the same time. And then as soon as those guys come back, you lose four fifths of your rotation. That's going to impact any team. And if you take look outside that eight and 50 stretch that they had, it's probably more like a 90 loss team or a 92 loss, I think is what they were playing at. So I, I think that that's probably closer to the true talent level, which I don't think necessarily – it just counts as a bad team. That doesn't count as a team that's intentionally trying to run it all the way down to the bottom. Sure. The the other part of that that I think is is worth discussing is that 
so many teams tried to copy that model that the Astros and the Cubs went into when the, the new um, amateur player procurement system went into place, the hard slotting uh, system that, that's now in place for the draft and for international signings, that the the return on trying to run that strategy has been weakened a little bit. Okay. If you look at the teams that have gone through a deep rebuild more recently, it's been less based on that and more based on we have a couple of quality players. Let's see if we can get premium prospects for them. So the White Sox are a good example of that. I think Seattle is going to prove to be a good example of that. Those were teams that were kind of more middling. And and listen, I think we can debate the ethics of taking a team that is relatively competitive and sending it to the bottom, but they're also going to be competitive here in the, the near future. And so uh, and the White Sox clearly are. I mean, they've made the postseason for the last two years for the first time in franchise history. So, so like, I think there's a little bit of a change in the way teams are looking at this. And and frankly, and this is just like, I, I realize I'm wearing my D-backs cap, but I'll take it off here for a second. <laughs> Metaphorically and literally, so you can see my bedhead. But the um, I, I think that that in looking at this from the outside, Mike Hazen doesn't have any interest in trying to lose 115 games. That's not what he wants to do. Right. That's not who he is. This is an extremely ethical man. And I think he believes in competition. And so now is this team going to be a favorite to win the West next year? No. I mean, that's not going to happen. Are they a likely playoff team in the National League? Probably not. I mean, we'll have to see what happens in the next collective bargaining agreement as to how much um, playoffs expand, which is a whole other thing. Um, And and then beyond that, it's just a you know, it's a question of okay, how do you continue to develop talent in the organization? And you know, are there pieces you feel like you can deal from the major league roster that can help to support that? But I don't view them as a team that's going to go into next year. Like I don't think they're going to be projected to finish very highly next year or with a particularly robust win total. But I also don't think they're going to be a team like Baltimore where you're looking at them all the way at the bottom either, especially with how deep the Diamondbacks farm system is on. And, yeah. and now you want everyone out here. No, I, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Put the D-backs hat yes. back on. <laughs> well, and I mean, you said something very interesting to me uh, uh, a while back, which was that you thought that this was Tory's best uh, year of managing, oh, yeah. best job of managing this year. And I just wanted, because now that the season's over, do you still feel that way? And what do you yeah. have to say to like Diamondbacks fans that are skeptical about bringing him back? After I, I mean, I, I just, I think he has made it's again, it's, it's masked by a bad team with a really bad bullpen. Right. Yes. So yes. like you have to, you have to take into account personnel on this. There's a major shift in Tory's philosophy that's taken place over the course of the last year in terms of how he manages an offense rather than letting the starting pitcher's usage dictate when he plays for a platoon advantage or plays for offense, he's letting offensive situations dictate that. That's much closer to what Kevin Cash does, what Terry Francona's done, um, what Kevin, what Craig Council does. Not to say that he is there as a strategist right now, but I think that that's, it's a pretty significant difference from the old, old school way of doing things to where he has come to now. I think the other thing, and and we saw this in 2017 when he had a far more reliable bullpen, 
Tory understands that 80s style bullpen usage, which we've seen teams succeed with, which is to say that your fireman is the guy that's going to get the biggest outs of the game, not necessarily the outs in the ninth inning. I don't know that the Diamondbacks are ever going to be a team that's going to have an interchangeable bullpen to the level that the Tampa Bay Rays do. Um, But I think that what you've seen is you've already seen from him a willingness to think in that those terms from how he manages a pen when, when his bullpen is reliable versus now. And, 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 and I think you even saw towards the end of the year too, in the way he used, you know, their best reliever down the stretch was JB Wendelkin, which shouldn't be a surprise. JB Wendelkin has been a pretty damn good reliever over the course of his career. You know, he was really good in Oakland. It was a surprise when he got DFA'd. Um, But, but I think when you saw him, how he tried to match him up against the key parts of the lineup as that went along, I think you see that as well. So from a tactical standpoint, I think it's it, it, he's made some changes that have made him a better tactician. I think in terms of keeping that clubhouse together and keeping a consistent effort on the field, the man's a damn miracle worker. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine – and listen, we didn't have clubhouse access even as broadcasters this year because of, of all the rules in place. Sure. I cannot imagine – I've been around 100 lost teams before. I can't imagine what it's like to be – what it was like to be in there. Or at least I've got – I shouldn't say that. I've got some idea of how miserable it is. The fact that those guys played their tails off for most of the year. Like, all you needed to see was the way Stephen Vogt would run and back up first – on every ground ball over yeah. the course of, of, you know, May and June, you know, before he was traded yeah. to get a pretty good answer as to how things were going in that club or how they were trying to handle it. Did they toss tables over or did they do, you know, any of these, these outward signs that people seem to need to know whether or not professionals care about their job? No, but they obviously cared and they hated the losing. And as things transition to the final two months of the season, I think what you saw Tory do was get guys feet wet and then give them opportunities for the young players and then stick with the guys that were producing. You know, Varsho had a tremendous second half. I thought McCarthy was really good down the stretch. Um, you know, really I think Rojas, yeah. Rojas was really worn out by the end of the year and, and Paven Smith too. Plus Josh was dealing with a, a couple of other nagging things, I think. So like there, there are, a couple of things that were in play there that I thought he handled extremely well. He has the respect of everybody who plays for him. He has an extremely good relationship with the front office. He has, I think just a, he's just the kind of person that you want to work for because his level of care for individuals is off the charts. So, yeah, I mean, I'll go to bat for Tori Lovello any day as being a guy that you want to play for and being the right fit, because I don't think you find, first of all, I don't think you find human beings like Tori Lovello very often. And when you have, you better hold on to him. Yeah. He's he's, he's not even close, Derek. Like he's one of the best people I've ever been around. No, I agree. I, I I think I say that on this podcast quite a bit. And I, I, even when I, even when I criticize him, which I know he would hate if I know he'd hate, I do this. He would hate that. I say first, what a good guy he is before criticizing him. He would say, I don't need to do that. And he would say, right. I just can go right into the criticism well, of him. But it well, is one it? of those things that he is such an incredible person that it's like, I like, first of all, I can understand not wanting to get rid of him just because of how, how great of a guy he is, how hard it would be. Like he's just, he has such a good rapport with the team and with everybody within the organization, you know, I think for me though, the biggest moment, and, and this is so kind of funny, was like with a month left in the season when he was yelling at players in the dugout, right? That seemed uncharacteristic of him, right? It seemed like 
he was losing it a little bit because he usually is able to keep himself so collected when it comes to things like that. But it also showed to me how competitive and how much fire he still had left. Like what you said to get it out of the team is one thing, but to still have it left inside of you to, to motivate others and to still want people to play at the top of their game, even when the season looks the way it did is, is a different level of managing people. Yeah. I mean, uh, frustration boiling over publicly. I mean, I'm surprised it didn't happen more often. And that frustration, I think his players have seen that over the years too. And he's not afraid to put a boot in the backside, you know, in, in the room out of view, you know, which is, I mean, listen, Dusty Baker has been managing for a long time. And that's one of the things that made, has made Dusty great is that he's not going to rip anybody publicly, but behind the scenes, he's going to, he's going to uh, let guys have it. And there have been, I'm sure a few garbage cans that have been kicked. (laughs) from time to time by Tori. In fact, I know that that's the case. So like, I I, listen, the, the man cares and he really firmly believes that they are going to build a championship here. And here's the other thing, like, you know, I, I get it. It's a tough sell coming off 111 lost season, but if he were a free agent, I think he would be a coveted free agent. He wants to be here. Yes. I agree. Wants to stay here. He wants to build a winner in in Phoenix. It's a good time to remind everybody that you can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our code of PHNX to get yourself that $100 in free bets for betting $1 on any NFL game as long as either team scores a point. That's just $1 on any NFL game. Uh, the last 0-0 tie was a long time ago. Uh, of course, it was the Lions and the Giants were involved, of course. Uh, so remember, it's been been a while. You can jump jump on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and get into uh, the same game parlays, which I have been a big fan of. I am Mr. Parlay now, along with all of the other ridiculous nicknames I have. But with parlays, you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. More legs you add, more money you win. It's that simple. I was in Las Vegas this weekend. I added football games and a baseball game together in a parlay, and they all won and paid for my trip. So you can do the same with DraftKings, which is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. And again, just use our code of PHNX and you will get that $100 in free bets for simply betting $1 on any NFL game as long as either team scores a point. 21 and over only, Arizona only, gambling problem, dial 1-800-NEXT-STEP, new customers only, eligibility restrictions apply, see DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And again, guys, we have some great content going up on gophnx.com. I have my personal thoughts and feelings in a report card article right now on gophnx.com that you can read. Uh, Sign up for a membership. You can get an annual membership, and you will get a free T-shirt from phnxlocker.com. Or you could go with our month-to-month option, and you'll get your first month for just 50 cents, no matter what you choose. But come join our family. Get access to the members-only Discord which I'm going to continue to say wrong, uh, thanks to my friends mocking the way I said it originally. Uh, And also, you know, again, you can get away from your jerk-ass friends and come on our Discord, and you can talk sports with your fellow PHNX members. So if you love what we're doing over here, come over and join us and become part of the family with either that annual membership option or the month-to-month. I've made jokes about it, but I've said of all the people to leave this team and find success elsewhere that would break our hearts and make us think, why did we get rid of that guy? It would probably be Tori. Tori yeah. would be the one that would go on, get picked up by some other team that's very talented, but just looking for a new manager, looking for a change of, you know, of that style. And if you gave him a, a competitive team with good personnel, like you said, which really has been 
the tale of this team this year. It's the lack of personnel and then the, the all the other bad luck and injuries. Like you can even say every team in the in the league has experienced injuries, which is absolutely true. And it, it became critical even in the playoffs. However, the, the amount of injuries the Diamondbacks had all at one time was just staggering. And for them to have to still figure out a way to field a team, uh, a competitive team, was or at times even put nine guys on the field that can play baseball at a major league level seemed to be difficult. I, I don't know how how nerdy you get here, but but you know I'm I'm a a, a stat wonk and so oh, see like, Jesse's going to be really mad he wasn't here now. Yeah, so so, ahead, so um I think if you look at baseball prospectuses, um, projected WAR lost so wins above replacement lost by injury. Diamondbacks are in like fifth or sixth in the majors in terms mm-hmm. of that, and they didn't have as much projected. Or because their roster wasn't as deep as some other sure. teams yeah. to potentially lose. So, I mean, I think it speaks to that. And the other thing with Tori is that, you know, so he's got a pretty strong player development background. He's a, you know, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty in coaching. And this is going to be a younger roster for the next couple of years. And having somebody with a steady hand who understands how to develop players, I think is also really important going forward. Have you had any memorable conversations with any of the young players this year or any, any of the players on this team that kind of stuck out stuck out to you as far as um, either their thoughts on Tory or their thoughts on going through this season? Um, I mean, I, I had a couple of talks with players about just the, the, you know, what kind of a horror show the year was like they, they, like to a man, they couldn't figure out. They were like, we're, we're not this bad a team from a talent sure. standpoint. I don't understand how you lose 111 games. So I think that was more exasperated by it than anything by it. Um, I would say, you know, I don't think I talked to anybody specifically about Tory and, and, you know, his role in the clubhouse, at least not that I can think of. Um, well, I think I still relevant, but I still think of Escobar saying he would die for Tory. Well, right? yeah, and, I mean, and that was such a great moment. Right. But it was yeah. also like weird because he wasn't really trying to be funny or anything, even though it was kind of was funny to hear somebody say it with such conviction. Uh, I, I, again, I just think that shows how much these players care about yeah. Tori when they can look at a camera just dead on and say, I would die for Tori. Right. So, I mean, I, I mean, I think you even see it with somebody like, you know, Caleb Smith. And I think there were a lot of things with Smith's, um, you know, on-field demeanor and some of his decision-making that probably, you know, leave to be questioned, but there was a moment early in the year where he, not early in the year, but it was in the second half of the season. He had started a game and, came out and Brett DeGus came in and gave up a couple of inherited runners and Caleb was visibly upset, like spiked a water bottle and was stuff you don't normally see teammates do in the dugout. Right. And after the game, you know, Smith was extremely apologetic for it. And he, he basically said, he's like, I don't, he's like, my teammates don't deserve that. I apologize to Brett already. He's like, but I, I really want to apologize to Tori too, because he's been, in, in my corner, you know, like this is a great man and great manager and he doesn't deserve that. And now think about this from, from that standpoint, remember Smith was told last year after he was traded that he was going to have short outings because he hadn't pitched since opening day, because he was one of the first players to be out with COVID you know, right. with Miami and they got him and they were working it back in short starts. And he was extremely frustrated by that, even though he knew what the plan was. So he and Tori had a couple of moments in the dugout. There were a couple moments on the mound. He didn't like being taken out of the rotation. You know, he excelled in the bullpen, but he didn't necessarily like that. So there, there's, there were, you know, there were some moments I think where, where he was, you know, not happy to give up the ball and he, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. So you saw it on the mound. And I think when you hear him say that, 
I think it carries some weight that, you know, here's a guy that was clearly frustrated. He didn't always agree with what the manager did, but he still had his back. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. I remember that. I I believe it was Nick Picoro that asked the question and the question he had got asked right before that was he had stolen a base and he was kind of having a fun time with that question about a stolen base. And then the minute that he heard that Lavolo was a bit disappointed with his behavior or was, was not happy with it. He became extremely apologetic. Like, like his, like his dad had found out he did something wrong or something. Like it was incredible the way that his entire demeanor had changed over that. And it it was, it was the fact that he had kind of learned he had disappointed Tori and he wanted to make sure everybody knew that he never meant to show up the manager or never would want to do anything to, to, uh, to upstage or upset Tory. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with you about the buy-in uh, by the players for this team. And I'm, I'm excited to see him come back myself. I want to see what this team can do. I think that now that the expectations are where they're at, uh, this team can really just not worry about anything except playing baseball and trying to be successful. Yeah. Just a reminder for you that it's still baseball playoff season. And whether you're at home or away, you want to keep that outfield grass looking trimmed for the national television games. And you can do that using Manscaped. Go on to manscaped.com right now and use our code of PHNX and you will get 20% off plus free shipping. It's an easy out. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a one, two, three inning, if you will, when you have 20% off and a free shipping. We will get you the performance package for your package. Uh, It's here. It's got the perfect package uh, for grooming and hygiene routine to make sure that you are looking playoff ready. Go ahead and get the Lawnmower 4.0. That's their new trimmer, and it is incredible. It's got a light on it. It's got a travel lock if you are on the road, all sorts of functions, as well as a 7,000 RPM motor. Uh, There is the Weed Whacker. I, I had a little ear hair issue, nose hair issue this weekend, cleared that right up before I went on vacation. So uh, just remember, get that Manscaped package with all the, the trimmings, including the liquid formulations, the crop preserver, and the crop reviver, which Jesse and I still have to talk about, uh, all in the performance package 4.0. And again, use our code of PHNX at Manscaped and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, I say this all the time, just use our code PHNX everywhere you go. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe, maybe we're a new sponsor. Maybe, maybe it just works. Uh, maybe it's like a skeleton key to the internet and you'll get 20% off everywhere. I'd give it a try, but most importantly, use it on Manscaped and then go over to the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use it there so you can get your hundred dollars in free bets for making a $1 bet on any NFL game. As long as either team scores a single point, you, you talked about the playoffs and I wanted to get your thoughts a bit on uh, possibly expanding the playoffs, or I, I think everybody is a bit in favor of this. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. Do you like uh, expanding the playoffs, or you like how they are now? No, you don't. I don't even like how they are now. You don't like the wild cards. Mm-hmm. I don't like the one game wild. Card. Like I like the game itself because the yeah. game is really exciting. But yeah. I think the Dodgers Cardinals game is a prime example. That's something I've been screaming about for a decade. You had a team there that was separated by 16 games in the standings that if they lose, they go home. Right. And you can say, okay, well, you go out and win your division. Well, they won 106 games. You know, like, I, don't, <laughs> right. I, don't, I don't care. The rules could have been reversed. It could have been the Cardinals and the Dodgers, or it could have been, I don't know, the Reno Aces and the, and the Tacoma Rainiers, for all I care. I don't think that that's fair or proper. But I also think that, that we need to stop, uh, do a better job of looking at the playoffs for what it is. 
compare it more to college basketball where you win the regular season in your conference, but if you get knocked out on the tournament, doesn't mean that you have a bad year, whether that's conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. Sure. I think there's a much different tenor to the way a baseball season plays out over the course of six months than it does to postseason series. And I think that very rarely do you actually end up with the best team winning the world series probably happens maybe three times every 10 years, four times every 10 years. You know, that's not actually a very high percentage right? when right. you factor it out because a lot of stuff can happen in a short series. Luckily, it's like, it's it's like a war of attrition, factor. right? You got right. whatever, however you can last the marathon and get to the end, but it doesn't mean that necessarily yeah. you're the fastest runner. And I think if you keep expanding, okay. So, so the reason why they want to expand the playoffs is because there's more television money for it. Sure. That's it. Like it, well, it's not, this isn't cynical. They say competitive balance, right? But yeah, the, I, the reason why they want to expand the playoffs is because they have a deal that's written with ESPN that will pay them more money if they expand the playoffs. Sure. Makes sense. Doesn't necessarily, I don't think there's anything about this that is competitive balance as part of it. You can make that argument for the first wild card that it gives more opportunities, mm -hmm. but now you're looking at teams that are potentially at or below 500, even with the seventh best record in the league, potentially making the postseason. That changes the equation an awful lot. So even if you get a buy through the first three game series or whatever it ends up being, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't, I don't think that those are teams that generally don't qualify for the playoffs unless you have an historically bad year in your division, you know? So I, no, I don't like the idea of an expanded playoff. I'm not in favor of it. Interesting. Um, I don't, I don't care for, I think five teams is more than enough to make the playoffs right now. Um, I think you should have to earn your playoff berths. And I also think that there's, there are always going to be unintended consequences in this. So like, let's say you're, you know, are, are there going to be so many teams that are stuck in the middle that, that it impacts the trade deadline? I think that's entirely possible. You know, that, that it either reduces the number of teams that are looking to uh, acquire or the number of teams that are looking to trade people because they, they are in the, the mix in their mind, you know, that, that it's going to put a lot more emphasis on off season team building, which isn't necessarily bad, but it takes away one of potentially one of the most exciting times of the year in what we have in July. So I think there's a lot. There are a lot of different factors. Now, maybe they move the trade deadline too. Maybe they change it to August fifteenth or something like that. That could come up in the next CBA as well. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of support for that at least. You're changing things around, but I think that there are a number of factors here that that for me personally that I'm not. I'm just not in favor of. Do you think we will see a change though? Yes, uh, absolutely. Because yeah. there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, there it is. So the players need to get a bigger chunk of the pie, which means that they're going to say, you know, I don't know if you, you know this, but but you might. I mean, I don't know how many listeners do, but but playoff revenues are actually um, for the players are a percentage of the gate. <laughs> when really, yeah, I mean wow. that's that's what it is. It's that wow. that's what gets divided up into the pool that makes the playoff share. Wow. The TV money right now all goes to the owners. Last year they were willing that's to. Nuts give a bigger pool because there were more playoff teams and because there, there wasn't going to be a gate for the postseason, So the players sure. weren't, weren't going to be able to benefit from it. So they were willing to concede on that, but I would think that the players want a better or different percentage of the share as part of this to agree to its expansion. I don't know that there's anything that's going to stop it from happening. Um, and again, like, but, but there is, there's a lot of money at stake to be able to extend, expand the playoffs. And so I assume it's going to happen. All right, we got five teams left in the playoffs. Who do you got making the World Series, and, and who do you got winning it? 
Well, um, I, I, you know, I'm starting to dive into the the Astros Red Sox series, and as much as the McCullers injury, I think has a chance to really impact that. Houston's offense is just so relentless, and I think you know they beat up on a pretty good pitching staff with the White Sox. And Boston staff is not as good. Nathan Eovaldi's excellent. Um, and the Red Sox have a couple of other arms. Nick Pavetta's thrown the ball really well. And, um, you know, uh, Garrett Whitlock's been outstanding for them out of the pen. But I don't know that they have the depth of arms to be able to compete with Houston, especially if McCullers is able to go. If it's not, it, it's going to be a high-scoring series, I think, either way. But I think that changes the the complexion of it, especially since McCullers probably wasn't going to go before game three anyway, so he wasn't going to match up with the Evaldi. So you don't have two, you know, number one type starters or, or team's top starters. I don't think that either of them are necessarily number ones from the scouting perspective um, that would square off. So I, um, I think Houston would be a pretty safe bet. I think that they will win that series and likely pretty handily over Boston. Um, I think whoever wins that division series between the Dodgers and Giants is going to be the favorite. I like the Braves chances a little bit better against San Francisco than I do against the Dodgers. The Dodgers have a lot of right-handed power sinker arms in the bullpen that match up with the pretty right-handed Braves lineup. Um, So I think that's one factor that I would look at that. The Giants are really tough though, because they can, they match you up. They, They almost never are at a platoon disadvantage. They almost never have the matchup disadvantage. Um, they have solid enough starting pitching. So I, I think the Braves are significant underdogs in whichever series they're in. And listen, I think Atlanta's a fun team. Like, I love Freddie Freeman. I mean, how can yeah. you not love Freddie Freeman? I love Ozzy Albies. I'm sad that Ronald Lacuna Jr. isn't a part yeah. of this. And Atlanta starting pitching quietly this year has been outstanding like really, really good and not with a lot of the names that you necessarily anticipated. So Charlie Morton's been great. Max, Max Freed, especially since the all-star break has been terrific. Ian Anderson finished the season strong. You know, Waskar, you know, who you know, pitched in relief in game four is a really, really good arm. So yeah, like absolutely. there are a lot of things that to really like about where Atlanta is. So I don't think it's, it's, um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that that the Braves win that series, but I'd say that they have probably about a one in four chance, regardless of who they play. It feels like whoever wins between the Giants and the yeah. Dodgers will have a lot of momentum beating the other team, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big fan of momentum from baseball game to baseball game. I, sure. I'm a, I'm a, I, I think it exists inside of games for sure, but. I but always Matt, like the old trope about uh, momentum is only as good as your next day starting pitcher. There you so. go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at it, my man. Well, Farron, I can't wait to listen to you guys. We'll be on for three hours doing pregame on Sirius for uh, for the LCS. Uh, I listen to this guy and his beautiful buttery voice uh, during <laughs> the playoffs, and uh, you don't that, have to see my face. Keep that D backs hat on. Don't take that off. all right sounds good all right man we'll see you thank you uh thank you again for coming on all right take care big thank you again to mike farron for joining us uh you guys obviously can get us on all the social media if you're listening to us right now on a audio app make sure to jump over to youtube and subscribe hit the little bell so that you get all the notifications for all the great content that we're pushing out over here at phnx Uh, And if you are watching us on YouTube right now, jump over to one of your favorite podcasting apps and make sure to subscribe to our podcast, the PHNX D-backs podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And most importantly, we want everybody to follow us on social media. I, of course, am at cap underscore caveman with a K. 
Mike Farron is at Mike underscore Farron. And if you want to follow Jesse, um, he's at Thunderstick. No, it's not Thunderstick. It's just at Jesse N. Friedman. Of course, all roads lead to at PHNX underscore sports on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also get us uh, anywhere. Go go on the PHNX locker. Get one of those sweet t-shirts. Sign up for a membership. Get one for free. And be like all of our friends uh, and our family members that got their, their packages today. And now, I don't know if I can say packages the same anymore after reading the Manscaped ad. So I'm just going to wrap this up. Thank you guys again so much for joining us. And remember, kids, baseball is fun, but it's so much more fun when you bet on it.